Hi, I'm Catherine. And I'm Gail. And we are very excited today to present to you a dynamic duo. The mother is Mar Graham. She's 91. And the daughter is Karen Graham. And they both live in Kelowna, British Columbia, Canada. The two Grahams have believed in advocacy and healthy eating all their lives. Karen is a three-time author and registered dietitian, best known for her published work, Diabetes Meals for Good Health Cookbook. Her three books have sold over 450,000 copies. For 30 years, Karen worked as a diabetes educator and presently works as a public health dietitian. She has counseled thousands of clients, and her goal is always to help them make positive lifestyle changes and manage difficult and challenging struggles. This life's work was inspired by her family in early years in Nairobi, Kenya, where she was born and graduated from high school. As for Marg, we will let you hear about her from, your, from herself. Karen, let's start with you. Tell us how your work has informed why nutrition is especially important for women and how we need to be thinking about it. Well, I mean, that's a great question. I think as women, we've always been uh, traditionally the ones that made the meals and kept the families uh, healthy. That's changing now um, as young boys are learning how to cook and young men are, are, are becoming cooks in the kitchen as well. But traditionally, that's been our role. So I think part of that is good nutrition. Part of it was creating love and a family um, situation that was positive. And it, when we look, so, so that's kind of the food part of, of, of healthy eating, but the nutrition part as we get older is so important, right? Because it's chronic disease prevention, diabetes, uh, heart disease, cancer. And it's also things like osteoporosis. So keeping those bones healthy. So nutrition comes into to play to, to be healthy as we get older and to stay, you know, to stay healthy as long as we can. Right, right. So tell us about your career, because it's very interesting. So I've worked for 30 years as a diabetes educator. Um, so counseling clients one on one primarily. Mm -hmm. And I heard a lot of stories from people about uh, struggles and challenges that they had around food and cooking. Mm -hmm. And so into my career, about 10 or 10 years into my career, I realized I, I'm getting tired of writing down meal plans for people. There's got to be a better way. And that was when I started creating the idea for my first book, which was the Meals for Good Health cookbook. And what I wanted to do was create a book that had life-size photos that people could just look at and it would show them exactly what to eat. Because education is, is power. Um, we know what we can do to be healthy. And so often, I mean, there's a motivation that's, a challenging part as well. How do we keep ourselves motivated? But we also need to understand, you know, what are the right portions? What are the right foods to put on our plate? What are the right foods to not eat as much of? So that was what sort of drove the creation of the book and also wanting things plain language because I heard from people that they needed things that were easy. And that's something that we've always talked about in our family, um, you know, is the importance of, of plain plain language, having things that everybody can understand. And, mm -hmm. and I think that applies whether you've got a university education or 
you have very little education. We all need things that are fast and easy because we're all busy in today's world. For sure. Right. So I have a question. The title of your book is Diabetes Meals for Good Health, but I would assume that this is good health for anyone. Is that correct? Yeah, that's a great point. Thanks for picking up on that. So actually, um, it was originally entitled Meals for Good Health. And I wrote it as a book of just health prevention. So preventing chronic disease, preventing cancer, and for kids going off to university, families, it was really for, for everyone to be to be healthy. But as the diabetes market grew, um, and as I got more involved in diabetes care, we changed it into more focused for diabetes and diabetes prevention, but actually the diabetes diet is a healthy diet for everyone. Yeah. It's, 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 a, it's a, just a good way to eat. So yeah. it can be used by anybody. Um, right, right. Sure. Well, it makes sense that you're in this field because your mother, you, Marg, have been a registered nurse for your entire career, right? You've been in the nursing field. I realize you took some time off, but tell us a little bit about, about that. I graduated as a nurse in 52, but uh, um, I basically didn't do much nursing at that time. Well, I did. I went over to Denmark and nursed for um, eight, 18 months or so. But based, And then I got, when I came home, I was a stewardess uh, because you had to be a nurse in those days. And, and then I had to, you know, if you wanted to get married, you had to quit. You know, you could not be married and be a stewardess. So I got married. <laughs> and I was a stay-at-home mom for a oh, good 18 years. And then I did go back to university and got my uh, RNBSCN and worked for about eight years in uh, geriatric care. Mm-hmm. So you lived a part of the time in Kenya, right? Nairobi. Yes, we did. We lived good 13, 14 years in Kenya, Scotland, England, but I didn't do any nursing in those days. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What what well, took you there? Uh, well, my it was my husband's work. He was an entomologist and he uh, he was working for the British government. Mm-hmm. So we we were out there as employees of the British government at that time. Mm-hmm. I had three little kids, you know, and uh, there was no way I was going to um, go to work. No, we did without a lot of things, but no, I was. <laughs> I'm a bit lazy too, you know. <laughs> oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> so I, I have spent um, a couple of, I've been to Nairobi a couple of different times now and working with the university there, but I'm so curious. Oh. Karen, you, you grew up, you spent part of your growing up years there, is that correct? My she, early grade school was, there. She and was then, born there. Yeah, I was born there uh, along with my brother. And uh, and then we returned in 1975. My dad actually was working at the university. Uh, he did some teaching in the biology department. And uh, so that's when I completed my high school there. So, yeah. And I think in terms of uh, Kenya, you know, the inspiration of the, the large number of cultures that are there mm-hmm. certainly was inspirational to me in terms of... Um, enjoying food from different cultures mm-hmm. and also the outdoor life, the outdoor living and the physical activity and just the, the, the way we were able to be more physically active there. I think that became ingrained mm-hmm. uh, through our life in Canada. And uh, my parents have always been, you know, we're always active people, physically active and we did hiking and um, 
all kinds of outdoor activities. And now that's something that my mom and I both maintain. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm, I'm always so amazed at my mom because at 91, she still does that one half to 45 minute walk virtually every day. Yeah, you know, and it's, it's hard. <laughs> it's not. It's not hard. If you're used to it. It's not hard. Right. You've kept it up all this time. Yeah. yeah. In fact, yeah. I would say probably more active as you got older and no. made it sort of that. Oh, no, you seem to think that I never did any walking when I was younger. <laughs> I walked all the time and I swam. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, there you go. There you go. Yeah. So it is. It's something that you build. You know, when you started early. Mm-hmm women as we do it then as we get older it's easier to well if you don't maintain. build up your proper bone structure when you're young you're not going to build it up when you're old so you know you've got to do it when you're younger you've got to have healthy food when you're younger and mm-hmm. yeah yeah for sure so, but having said that i know with patients and clients that i've seen over the years you know, not everyone has the opportunity to eat healthy when they're younger, depending on what the home situation is. And I've seen people make, you know, broad changes and, and being able to um, make lifelong changes and reverse, you know, chronic diseases. So um, it's something that at any age, I think we can start tackling to be healthy. And sometimes it seems overwhelming, but just taking small steps at the beginning. And those small steps can make a difference. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and I just want to underscore that you you think that can be done at any age. Yes, definitely. At 70, 80, yeah. 90. Well, exactly. And like for example, with um, yeah. as we as we get older, um, our metabolism goes down. It's mm-hmm. not something we can, I mean, every for every decade from age 40 on, you need about 40 less calories per day. Now, that may not seem like a lot, but it means by the time you've gone from from 30 to 70, you need 160 less calories. That's about equal to two and a half or two to three slices of bread less. But many of us keep eating like we always ate. Mm -hmm. And, And so then we start putting that weight on. So there's things you can do to boost your metabolism as you get older. And exercise is really important you know, for that, but managing stress, sleep, um, you know, having your thyroid levels checked, um, all those things are examples of things you can do that may have an impact on boosting your metabolism and keeping you healthy and preventing too much weight going on. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it's going to go around the middle, right? If it goes anywhere. <laughs> it's natural to have some going on, but we just don't want it doubling up and increasing our risk for those chronic diseases like diabetes. Are some people more prone to getting diabetes, do you think? Is it, is it only a weight issue? No, I mean, diabetes, definitely there's a genetic, a strong genetic component to it. Mm-hmm. Um, there's actually a lot of research around um, early childhood experiences as well and diabetes Mm-hmm. So we recognize that children who um, grew up in poverty or in abusive situations are more at risk of diabetes. So this is a very interesting piece of research because it's tracking things back to our early childhood. And sometimes that's when diabetes is starting. Um, a child that's born to a mother who has um, a very heavy baby, there's already a predisposition for diabetes in that baby as that baby grows older. 
So, so it's complicated. It's not, it's not easy, but it's definitely, certainly the large weight increase that our population overall has been having over the last um, five decades Mm -hmm. is a significant contributor to the, just the skyrocketing increase in diabetes. But, you know, um, there's, there's a variety of other, other factors that are related to it as well. And certainly not being as active as well. Because as a population, just think how much we're sitting in front of a screen. Um, those are hours that populations used to be more physically active. Yeah, yeah, sure. So, Mark, you, um, you, you became a, uh, uh, you got your nursing degree, your Bachelor of Nursing degree after you returned to uh, Canada. Is that what I understand? Yeah, I was in my 40s. It was a bit tough going back to university in my 40s, but actually it was fun, you know, and the kids don't care. The kids, no, for sure. Uh-huh. Yeah. But the kids yeah. being the other kids in the class? Yeah, the student, you know, yeah. and, you know, you think, oh, they're going to think, oh, this old person. But no, you know, the kids don't care. <laughs> it was fun. It was fun, actually, yeah. Well, and and, I, and I then want- what did you do with that degree? Well, I, uh, I, I did some special courses in... Uh, public duty nurse, public health nursing, and plus with an emphasis on geriatrics. Mm-hmm. And uh, so my first job actually was, we were setting up a brand new nursing home in Thunder Bay. It was a brand new building and the, the whole thing was being started up. So my boss, myself, and two other uh, nurses, we established the whole thing, the whole nursing. We did all the program, wrote commissions, hired the people, did the whole thing for the opening of, uh, got patients uh, named and set up the whole the whole business. And when it was finally opened, we had um, about 200 patients on two floors and with uh, all the nurses, the nurses in charge of floor, we all had degrees. It was a perfect, perfect, perfect home for the elder, a nursing home. But over the years, they ran out of money, and this got cut, and that got cut, and now it's just like mm. all the rest of them. <laughs> but it was a great experience. So it was a model when you when it started, and yes, it was actually, and, and it was it was actually on the, the TV at one point when we first opened. Yeah, it was a model. Mm-hmm. Uh, and but, in Thunder Bay, what was the, who was the population you were serving mainly? It's not that, about 100,000 at that time. Not just a small city. Yeah. yeah. An indigenous population as well as. Oh, yeah. They serve there. It's the. Um, what's the word? I can't. Fort William it's Reserve. The, um, it's the Ojibwe. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a big, it's a very large reserve. reserve mm-hmm. Ojibwe. Uh huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. And, and you also taught women who were on social assistance to become nurses' aides? Yeah, that was a strange little thing because there's actually no courses at all for anyone to become a nurse's aide, and we desperately needed them. Mm. So another nurse and myself, we decided to run this little course on our own. It wasn't a so-called legal course, and we just ran this three-month program only for ladies who were on welfare. Wow. And, uh, we had one guy, and we had about 30, 30 women. I tell you, those women were so keen, so keen to learn, mm-hmm. and it was just a, another great experience. It was it was really fun. And at the end, when they all got their little piece of paper, they all got jobs. 
if I remember it. They all got jobs, yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. And, um, but it didn't go anywhere. The government didn't want to take it on, you know. And um, so, unfortunately, that was it. I believe they run them now. I'm not really a kind of out of the picture now, but I believe they do have those courses now. A real, a real answer to get uh, people off of, women off of uh, aid, right? Uh, off of welfare. Yeah, yes. yeah mm-hmm. for sure. Teach yeah. them something they could do. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, so that was that was very good. Yeah. So so uh, and then you also worked as a counselor for a rape crisis center. Yeah, I did that for about two years. It was very stressful. I bet. <laughs> uh, it really was. It, yeah, was very stressful. I only did it for for two years, but. Um, yeah, we had we had quite a few cases, and it, you know, in those days, these women, they a lot of them didn't want to report it, and so you know that was a very bad situation. And those that did report it, they got slammed down in court, and so we that's what we were trying to improve the the laws and working on on that angle of it, and also we wanted to have a, a place where they could come when they'd been raped, where they could come and talk to, to mm-hmm. someone. Mm-hmm. We did, we, we, we had that time. It's still running, still running. And it's still running. Yeah, yeah. Excellent. You're both really giving a, a wonderful kind of overview of what public, what's involved in public health. Right. I, right, because I think, uh, I, don't, I don't often stop to think about that field and all of the different aspects involved in it and are you in, are either of you in, involved in any other aspects of public health well i am through my job because i'm a public health dietitian mm-hmm. uh, so i work with advocacy for for women as well particularly in the in the area of birthing and and breastfeeding and trying to improve yeah. supports for those women uh, who yeah. who want to breastfeed uh, because our system is not set up often to support women and families and we have one, one sign that says, you know, you should do this, you should be healthy, or uh, you should breastfeed your baby, or you should, you know, not eat junk food. <laughs> but on the other hand, we allow junk food everywhere, and we don't support mothers to breastfeed. And, you know, so public health is really about creating internal supports that, um that support people from from within and about changing the system, but it's it's poorly funded. It's um, I don't you know across North America on average it's between one to three percent of budgets of healthcare budgets goes mm-hmm. towards prevention. So the majority of our budgets is going towards um, is going towards hospital care. And then what about aging women? Public health for aging women. Well, not a lot of money going to that either. Again, treatment in hospitals. So when we get sick, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's hospitals, if you can afford the hospital care, um, but there isn't a lot of preventive care. You know, we would, cool. do, we would do better to have programs that uh, support women to be more active, for example. You know, pour money into that um, or programs that provide better um, knowledge around nutrition, but that's not what we we. That's not what the system's tend to support. 
Mm -hmm. I have heard that through COVID, with the the COVID um, epidemic, that um, there is a rethinking happening in North America around maybe we should be putting more money into um, public health. Gee, <laughs> no. <laughs> so, are you going to going to say something? No, I just didn't quite get your question, uh, but then we Karen answered it. So yeah. No, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sometimes I don't, I don't get it uh, here properly. Yeah. And Catherine. Well, I'm wondering, uh, Marg, you, you start. You were in geriatrics, so I'm wondering uh, what you see. What's changed in that that field? Is it are we optimistic about geriatrics as a field, or what do you think is going on? I don't think it's changed at all. I mean, there's these nursing homes, and <clears throat> um, the care isn't that different than what we were giving. And I think uh, in those in our model system, that was perfect. But as time went on, there's such a shortage of money all the time for older people. Mm -hmm. And it really showed itself in this COVID thing here. I don't mm -hmm. know how it was for you people, but here in this place, most of the privately run uh, nursing homes and also the government run nursing homes, that's where most of the COVID was because there was no proper care in these people. It would just spread like wildfire through, through these mm -hmm. institutions because they didn't have any proper care. So, so now the government is finally getting around to it. They're going to do, force them to do some accountability for the money they get and prove that they're going to be able to mm -hmm. do proper care. Yeah. I think the other thing we saw in COVID is that um, people who were in nursing homes, um, they weren't able to see their families during during well, COVID. Because, they had this, yeah. this isolation. Mm -hmm. And so I hope there'll be a rethinking about supporting more home care so people can stay in their own homes. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, we were very lucky that mom lives in her own home. Um, and because of that, we were able to still have communication, you know, limited at certain points during the epidemic, but we were always able to see each other. We never had that isolation, which was so devastating for so many families, you know, to not be able to see their loved but I, ones. But I really think the care for the elderly is very, very poor. It really is. Mm -hmm. They really need to be, and, and I don't think it's much better in the United States. I don't know, but, mm -hmm. you know, it's the one that falls through the cracks always. Mm -hmm. So it's really up to uh, up to 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 women. It sounds like to be strong advocates for yeah. our, our own preventive care. Is that get out there and be active? A message to mm -hmm. do some uh, lobbying for governments and things like that. You know, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, how do you think about your own aging, Marg? Well, I saw that question on there. I'm <laughs> thinking, and I thought, well, you know, I never really thought about it until after my husband died, which is about four years ago. Mm. And and then four years later, whatever it was, I had my 90th birthday, and that really hit me. I thought, boy, you know, you're really old. But I hadn't. I really thought about it being old because as long as I had my husband, because we were so busy doing things and mm -hmm. all the time, you know. 
But once you're on your own and you become, yeah, you do have a lot of lonely times. The kids are great and everything, you know, but that's when you do, do kind of feel it. But, but you gotta, you have to get out there and do things yourself. People aren't going to come to you. You have to get out and join groups. I joined a, a women's group that walk and a women's group that go on various little excursions and things and a book club and things like that. You know, you, if, if you don't do anything, you'll sit home by yourself and cry. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, and that keeps you that keeps you young, I think. Yeah, yeah. That your yeah, attitude. So, uh, a lot of people, I mean, are I, I hear all these people that I'm with and they're all they're all complaining about all their ailments and it goes on. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we do have a lot of ailments, but uh, being lonely and everything, but uh, it's not easy. No, I have to say it's not easy. But if you're in good health, it's easier. But if you don't, you know, if you have health problems, it's not easy. No. Right. And you How also you, have. Oh, I'm sorry, go, go ahead. I, I just wanted to ask you this one more thing, Mark. Um, you also have your art. Yeah. Well, yes, it's really nice to have some kind of a hobby or something and some kind of an outside end of writing or mm -hmm. art or. But sewing, knitting, there's a, a lady in our place, I call her a knitting factory. She, <laughs> honestly, she knits constantly. <laughs> and she makes things for hospital, little baby things and mitts and everything. And she just, you know, so something. Mm -hmm. That's her thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That, that, that's, a very, that's an important thing to have. And you, How about you, Karen? Having your mother as I seems to me to be a great role model. Yeah. How is how has she influenced your own sense of health and aging? And um, I I think it's less scary for me going into my older years, uh, knowing that you can be healthy up into your nineties. Um, I don't know that I'll make it that that far, but. <laughs> You know, we don't know what's going to come with the world, but um, I think it's it's a yes, yeah, she's a great role role model to see that. Um, and I intend to do the things she's done. You know, keep active with hobbies and 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 friends and and um, healthy a healthy diet. And the one thing we always did was have those three meals on the, mm -hmm. on the table. And my mom still does that. And it's very easy to slip into the tea and toast as you get older. And if you live on your own, you just have one meal and, you know, that sort of thing. And, and one thing I've seen from her is it's important when you get up in the morning, you have your breakfast. And my mom yeah. always has that balanced breakfast yeah, and she yeah, has yeah. her lunch, you know, at that same time and supper. And that helps maintain, again, that nutrition mm -hmm. and that strength. Because as we get older, um, the other side of becoming too underweight and losing weight actually is just as unhealthy mm -hmm. as being uh, too heavy. Yeah. And so we want to make sure we maintain somebody, some body weight and, you know, for good health as well. And so part of that is eating well, but, and not just switching over to eating potato chips, right. Having those balanced mm -hmm. meals. So I think that's certainly something that's been we, a role model for me. We do have a legacy in our family of people of family living to an old age. Over well over nineties, a lot of a lot of my uncles and aunts and even my mother and 
and so on. So that helps to have a few of those deans. Right, for sure. Mm -hmm. yes. <laughs> yes. So, right. so Karen, you have other books that you've written, correct? I have, but right now the only ones that are in publication is my series of the three diabetes books. So I have um, uh, the first one, which is Diabetes Essentials. It's sort of like a starter book. If you just first were diagnosed with diabetes or you have pre-diabetes, it's a thin book and it's sort of the one you would go to. And then, <clears throat> then I have the cookbook, which has all the life-size pictures. And then I have the guide, which is all those other details about diabetes complications and medications and exercise. It's sort of the real detailed books. And all three books are written with a diabetes endocrinologist, Dr. Shamali. He's out of Baltimore. And um, it's a wonderful uh, combination of having an endocrinologist with a dietitian. Uh, because it brings just a lot of practical experience into the content of that book and making sure it's up to date and the most recent information. I call so, those book, that book of Karen the Materia Medica because it, you named the organ in your body and it's in her book. And she not <laughs> only wrote it, but she's had it checked by a doctor. So you know that all the information in there is correct. It yeah. really is quite, it is quite, it is an amazing book. It's, yeah. it's quite a Bible. There's a lot of information yeah. in that and kind of, kind of the set all together. Yeah. So, so those are definitely what I'm, I'm most proud of. And the cookbook came out 28 years ago. So it's been around for a while and it's still around. So. <laughs> it's also what's, on, what's on the horizon for you then, Karen? Karen has uh, a sister who does all does a lot of editing for her and yes. her brother. I mean, it's become a, it's very much a family thing. I come from a family of of writers and and editors. Uh, I think almost everyone in my family has written a book of some sort. Mm -hmm. And um, yes, my sister did the editing for uh, my essentials. Uh, she's the primary editor on that, uh, Janice Medill, and she also edited my other two books. She is a sociologist. Uh, she's a she's a Sociology. She's a. She's a social worker. A social worker. She's a social worker. So she brings in that social work lens, mm -hmm. which is really important as well as as well as the editing. Right. So sure. yeah. And if people want to get a hold of these books, how do they do that? Uh, they're everywhere. They're in every bookstore across North America. If they're not there, they'll bring them in for you. And Are they on course, Amazon? Yeah, they're on all Barnes and Noble. Amazon, they're on all the online bookstores as well. They're available. Yeah, terrific. That's terrific. So any final uh, words that you would like to leave our uh, viewers? No, just it's been uh, great to be on your show. Thank you very much for having us. And um, the work that you do, the, the volunteer and the hours that you put in to create this space for women who are older and as we age, young women, as we age, um, it's uh, tremendous. Can I ask you a question? Sure. <laughs> well, I'm not sure just exactly, do you, do you run uh, courses or do you have, do you have meetings or? We, uh, we'd love to welcome you into our community. We have a women over 70 community and we have monthly programs that we that we put on and um, you simply need to go to our website womenover70.com and become a member of our aging reimagined circle oh yes we, we also would be delighted to speak to your organization or group 
Yes, we certainly would. <laughs> you know, we, have, we can do Zoom. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we yeah. Have, we haven't met for over a year because of this cold thing. It's the whole thing has been shut down up here. So, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, right. it's been a, it's been a great. I've just been a lot of fun. I haven't had to think about being old before, so. This <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you both. very, very much. We, we, we really appreciate your being on our show with us. Well, thanks for asking us. We yes. really enjoyed it. <laughs> thank you. That's great.